2: Oh, yes, guy. Welcome aboard. Episode 113, or as we like to say, Yes, Guy 113. All ready to go. Coming up on the broadcast very shortly from Sports Center Glenn Sheeler. Later on, Charles Park, one of our sponsors, talking about fraud in terms of people trying to sell your home and you getting stiffed so we'll get into that with charles park bill web will be by he's the owner of the toronto arrows rugby football team and an interesting story there with the football team and the crest on the jersey and all kinds of nice stuff there and then yes guy no guy with frankie c and the the uh, topic is hockey rinks in the meantime Homeowners are first time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG, Safe Bridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom tailor mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to deanromani.com or give him a call at 416 885 1761. Master your game strategy with the Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YesGuy at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to Fox40Shop.com. Now, we go down the the hall and into the Sports Center archives we bring in Glenn Sheeler. Glenn, how are you today, sir?
0: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. First time, long time, Jim. Very excited to <laughs> get
1: this going
2: here. <laughs> we don't get first time, long time on this show very often. So so you are unique right off the top. So so let's go back. Let's let's go back into the time tunnel. Let's go back to Confederation College and Thunder Bay. How did all this start for you?
0: um i guess it actually started a year or two before confederation college in high school when i was kind of like most high school students uh misdirected not knowing where and what i was going to be doing in the coming years and a few teachers were kind of mentioning you should maybe go into television or broadcasting or do something because i was kind of always a a louder kid in class or just trying to you know get attention one of those kids making a fool of myself those kind of things and uh Sure enough, one thing led to another. I got a, I got a an OAC back uh, for you kids out there who don't know what that is. It was grade thirteen in high school. Um, it was kind of, it was great. It was an extra year, almost kind of again getting ready for the real world. And I mean, who at seventeen is really ready to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life? Uh, nobody, almost. So I got an internship in OAC at the local CBC radio station. It was it was a little bit of everything. It was mostly news, but it was a little bit of everything from archiving to going out with journalists or, you know, hanging out in the morning show, and the afternoon show, just kind of getting a gamut of, of, the, of the whole industry. Uh, that turned into a bit of a part-time job in, in the summer that followed. And I applied for the, the broadcasting, just naturally thought, hey, maybe this could lead to something. So, yeah, I, I applied for the broadcasting program in Thunder Bay at Confederation College College. college and and went through the process there of the two-year diploma program it was great um you know you get to learn the entire industry from behind the camera to in front of it and everything in between the editing and and all that um and near the end of that of course you have to do an internship at some sort of tv station and and for me being in thunder bay um i ended up uh, going to winnipeg for six weeks at uh, what was then called a channel winnipeg and pretty crazy that Uh, Brian Mudrick was the weekend sports anchor there at the time. So that's where we met. This would have been like April of 2001, somewhere around there. And, uh, yeah, met, met Brian. Also on the morning show at Winnipeg A Channel, Jay Onre
2: was wow.
0: the the host of the morning show there at the time wow. so it, it, it's such a small world that you know you, I went up there as a, a 19 20 year old kid and not really you know knowing what was next and here I was meeting people that I would you know kind of be 20 years later still in the industry with that in a different in a different life if you will but yeah so Confederation College it was great that I and then I after that internship I I went back to Thunder Bay uh, luckily, the local news station, Thunder Bay Television, uh, one of the last, still going, one of the last independent stations in Canada. So it's not exactly tied to, you know, CTV or CBC or Rogers. It's, it's on its own, and it's, I think, one of the last in Canada to do that. Um, uh, yeah, so I got hired there as a videographer. Um, so I was going out every day, doing one, two, three stories a day where, you know, I got the tripod, the lighting kit and my on my shoulder, and I'm going into... whether it's city council meetings or interviewing the fire chief or going to a crime scene or going to a fundraiser. So I, you know, you really learn from that and telling stories and how to do that and how to put together a story on a deadline and doing that every day. And, uh, yeah. And I always knew I wanted to get into sports. So I I kind of like dipped my feet in the news game for a few years and, and got good at storytelling, got, got better at, you know, learning how to, how TV works, if you will, and how writing and how to edit. And, uh, Just started sending out my tapes here, there, and everywhere, and eventually led to uh, the next steps in my career, but wouldn't have been anywhere if it wasn't for those high school teachers back in the day who said, you should go into something like broadcasting, because it hadn't really crossed my mind when I was 17 years old, Jim.
2: Well, you sound like you weren't a good student. And that's something we share. I was not a good student. And what I used to do is argue with teachers because I knew what I wanted to do. So I would say, I don't see the relevance of this because I'm going to do this. And, <laughs> and they would just sort of nod and go, yeah, whatever. And So so I guess we were, we were lousy students is what you're saying. I, there's got to be a vintage J.R. Bryan story. Do you have one?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Jay, Jay, not so much because Jay, again, he was on the morning show and I was uh, interning in the sports department. So he would probably be out of the office by like, you know, 10 AM and, and we weren't really rolling in until that time, maybe 11, even, cause, uh, you know, in sports, we're usually at games at night that start at like seven. So we're at, at the office till closer to midnight and what weren't exactly coming back at uh, in the morning. So not so much with Jay, but yeah, definitely Brian and I hit it off quite well. Um, uh, you know, just nights out in Winnipeg at the Palomino and all those and all those spots that, that <laughs> used to be uh, hopping back in the day there. But just like just a lot of cool um, moments like that. We'd go to games. He was he was always. I remember Randy Carlisle, I think at the time was the coach of the Manitoba Moose in Winnipeg, and like just Brian had a good rapport with him and uh, had some good back and forths off camera with him, and just just seeing how you know the the local broadcasters and the local coaches could kind of form relationships and how that kind of worked behind the scenes so that was kind of eye-opening for me coming from thunder bay to a market like winnipeg which was a step up a bigger city that kind of mentality um that that was that was great for me and just to see how brian was kind of like a mini celebrity in that town and and it was really eye-opening but yeah it was it was quick it was six weeks right so you're not like totally getting involved in the community and, and all that, but uh, it was great to, to meet him. Then we always kept in touch over the years and yeah, uh, you, know, you know, I think it was eight years later or seven years later, we, had, we both moved to Toronto at the same time. He had gotten hired at TSN at the time. Um, from Edmonton and I, I came through Ottawa and I was getting hired at the score in downtown Toronto, like a month or two after he did. So it was, was, and then, you know, we we always kept in touch through then, and played on sports teams in Toronto together, you know, softball and things like that. So uh, it it was great just to to have to meet him and then know someone in the industry that, that young.
2: So the watering hole was the Palomino.
0: The Palomino Club. Uh, I, oh. I don't think it's around anymore, but it was. Uh, it's a legendary Winnipeg bar. <laughs> Anyone who's no ever been to Winnipeg, and, uh, <laughs> it's one of those places, like you know, in Canada, one of the more. If you're stopping at some of the iconic places back in the '90s and the 2000s, that was the one in Winnipeg for sure.
2: I mean, you almost don't want to shorten that Palomino. Just is, uh, it's a it's a majestic name, you don't want to say. Let's go to the Pal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that was was the nickname. I think
2: it was the pal. You're right on that. I I like how you pieced (laughs) your career together because it's sort of old school. I don't know that you could do this anymore. Uh, You know, you worked your way up. uh, You did the videography. You're a reporter. You're an anchor. Mm -hmm. You did news. And, you know, quite frankly, your delivery is too slick for a news guy. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I I could see that. but, But this is something that isn't done all the time now. And a lot of the courses are really good, so they let you do this in the course. But you did this piece by piece, didn't you?
0: oh you're right jim it's uh, you know I, I like to say I climb the ladder slowly, and I feel like that's, that's one of the best ways to do it because you you know you don 't start out with huge massive expectations and maybe if you do reach the top of the hill, you really you know appreciate it because of what you 've seen along the way uh, but it, you know I think you 're involved in teaching kids now the students that are coming up, and I see them all the time in the sports Museum, the ones that are coming out of like the college of sports media, for example. And boy, like some of them are just like coming out of school and like they're, they're, re- it looks like they're ready, you know, to, to yeah. jump on the sports center. Like they're that polished already. And I'm not sure if I went and looked back in 2001 and 2002 and even the years after, you know, some of my earlier stuff, like there's no way I would have been throwing up on, on TSN back in the day at that point. But, you know, I needed those like five, six, seven years to really polish my game. And and, and like I said, learn how to, how to, how to own your craft and you're right it's tough to it's tough to see you know kids even doing that today just i wasn't paid a lot i was in thunder bay i was lucky that i could still live with my parents and i you know didn't have to think about actual oh, rent a place because i was only making like 700 dollars paycheck every couple of weeks like where's that going to get you uh, in today's economy nowhere so you know barely even the poverty line so there's one factor of it it's just it's just there's no money to be made at, at the bottom of the level and yeah i remember a few a couple years ago one of the girls from uh bar down was kind of shadowing in the in the newsroom and wanted to pick my brain about my career that was kind of one of my things i told her i'm like look if you can like I did this way like go to a small market. Like a lot of these people are from around big cities. So it's harder. Like another advantage I had is I grew up in a small town. So, you know, when you're from a small town, it's like more natural to kind of work there maybe. And then, and then move all along from there, move up from there. Whereas, if you're born in a bigger city it's probably pretty intimidating to say hey i'm going to go live in a city like sudbury or north bay or something like that or you know lethbridge just move your whole life across the country and and try to and try to get get a kick at this but um yeah so i was giving advice to one of these bar down employees and and she was trying to get on air and this and that and i'm like yeah if you can maybe like you know just send your tape out everywhere you never know like just try to get just try to get on air anywhere we could be in a small town and do it for a year or two and get better and and she you know she's like okay yeah, that, that's thank you thank you and then like 3 months later i saw her on tsn like things <laughs> like oh, that was <laughs> terrible the terrible advice is <laughs> one of the bosses obviously believed he knew enough to just put you on and start doing like whatever plays of the month or start, start doing some stuff right around the, around the yeah. office, She didn't need to go to Sudbury for, for five years right. like I did, but I, I guess everyone has a different path, just like in sports, right? We all get there. They all get there in a different way. And, uh, and, and yeah, the industry, as you know, Jim, it's just, it changed so fast in the last 10, 15 years that, I mean, it's it's nothing like what I came up through, even, and you know, and especially with yourself as well.
2: Yeah, constantly evolving is the way I describe it. So let's let's end mm-hmm. on this. What has been your favorite assignment, and what is the one that you
0: aspire to do? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, I'll start with the second part. Aspire to do, I, 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 I do want to get my feet wet in more of the uh, live event stuff, maybe like play-by-play, play, and ultimately one day do a call for like an NHL game um i don't even i don't even know if i want to i want to like aspire to do that on a full-time basis like gordon miller like you know doing that like 80 times a year but maybe just you know start with um hey when you need a guy like uh, let me uh jump in there once in a while kind of thing uh that's one thing i never got a lot of experience doing along the way is the play-by-play but i feel like you know, I've watched enough sports. I've been involved in enough of the broadcast uh, from the studio side, especially doing a lot of NHL, like Montreal Canadiens games in CSAM. We do, i do some Sens games, that kind of thing. So, I'm constantly in the studio on, on on the desk side of things. And yeah, to make that jump possibly one day into doing some play-by-play uh, of a of a major league game, that would be, I think, a, a huge uh, career goal for me. Uh, and when, in terms of one of the best events that I've covered, um, oh geez, there's. I mean, I've, I've done some NHL playoffs back in the day, even like not think at the Stanley Cup final, but even I think uh, some conference final games. And boy, that gets really intense and really awesome when you just kind of entrench yourself into a series and you, you know, you're know, you going back and forth with the teams from city to city a little bit and, and getting really how the teams are ticking at that time. And just, yeah, like th- those were cool moments. And even just... Back in the day, I covered a lot of Toronto Raptors, just seeing you know when when Kobe Bryant would come through town the once a year or LeBron James yeah. or you know all these big stars um, and and you just get you get really up close and face to face with them and get to ask them questions those those kind of experiences. Sidney Crosby covered a lot back in the day through his concussion years and you know doing one-on-ones with with him those are some of the career highlights for sure that i I look back at there's been a lot of them you know meeting general managers and coaches and players along the way i've been very very grateful and very lucky throughout the years Um, i don't get to do it as much because i'm mostly on sports center now in the studio which is great um so i've kind of got to live both sides of it for you know down at these games and now more so in the studio but yeah, I'd say most of the events that I that were more memorable for me, of course, were when I was at the games and talking to the players and talking to the people who are making the moments happen. Glenn, thanks very much. Really
2: appreciate this.
0: Hey, anytime, Jim, thanks so much for having me.
2: Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to DeanRomani.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Be prepared on the ice with the Fox 40 hockey products, such as the Fox 40 Call, Fox 40 Super 4 CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order, fox40shop.com. This is YesGUY, the radio show show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Master your game strategy with the Fox 40 coaching boards, available for basketball, hockey, football, and more use the code yes guy at checkout for 15 percent off your order go to fox40shop.com going to talk about rugby now we have bill webb here he is the owner of the toronto arrows rugby football team canada's first and only professional rugby union team bill welcome how are you today sir
3: i'm great jim great to be with you
2: our, our pleasure to have you. So you've got an interesting thing here. You have, you're putting on the front of your jerseys um, a crest that, that represents the Toronto Inner City Rugby Foundation. This is a, a non-profit community impact organization. Explain that one. That that's really really intriguing.
3: Yeah, that, that that's right. And it's the first, uh, to our best of our knowledge, and we've researched it a lot. It's the first time in professional rugby history around the world that a pro team has put a non-profit organization on the front. It's been done in soccer with Barcelona and. Nottingham Forest, but we're really proud to partner with TURF. I've been involved, my involvement with TURF, and TURF itself predates the arrows. Uh, TURF's been around since 2011. And what TURF does is it works through rugby, uses rugby as a delivery mechanism to work with young boys and girls in the greater Toronto area um, to help develop values, to give them a place, a community, to give them a sense of belonging. It's a place for kids to be after school. If they're from a one-parent family, it, it introduces them to, you know, it, it, it's a very accessible sport, and it's the only team contact sport where men and women play by exactly the same rules, and it's a very inclusive sport. And so it's a great place for kids to get introduced to. They start with flag, they move up to contact, and it's gone so far. Now the program's been around for 11 years, and last year, in a, when what was a COVID year, Turf touched 15,000 young people in the GTA this year it's wow. going to be between 25 and 30,000 and that's just great for our sport. Um, it's great for our community and it's a growing fan base and even player base for the aeros
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. So turf, I'm just going to say it again for those that aren't involved with us, the Toronto inner city rugby foundation. So you're talking about massive numbers uh, in terms of,
3: of reach. What, what exactly, how
2: would you explain what the reach does?
3: Well, um, Turf works, and, and by the way, I should say the website is t t i r f for anybody who wants to learn more about this great organization. Um, they they work through the schools, through the, the TDSB and the Separate School Board, through the community centers, through uh, with rugby clubs. And what they do is they they get out into these into the communities and and offer up you know starting with touch and flag rugby, um, you know a place to gather usually a couple of days a week and a couple of nights a week goes right through the winter. We have access to to domes where we can take the kids to gather and learn the basics of a game, which, you know, you don't need much equipment. That's a great thing about rugby is, you know, it's a, it's a contact sport at the, at the highest level, but you don't need to buy. All you need is a a mouth guard and some boots and away you go. Um, so it's, it's really easy to onboard kids. You know, rugby's the kind of game there's 15 players on the field at a time. And you're you're on offense and defense, so there's room for every shape and size. You know, big people, smaller people, fast people, slower people. You know, tall people. It, like there's something for every shape and size. And and again, it's a the the sport has a history of being extremely inclusive. Um, there's mixed abilities rugby. There's there are LGBTQ t- teams here in Toronto and in other parts of Canada. We just held You know, Canada just hosted the the LGBTQ rugby world cup which was amazing. We sent a team to the mixed abilities world cup. It's, you know, rugby is just it's that kind of sport. That's easy for everybody to get involved. And so the game, um, what, what it's doing is getting out into these neighborhoods, more kids are playing the game. It's more kids that can come to attend arrows games. And we even have a program where if our season ticket holders or flex pack holders can't use a ticket on a particular for a particular game and our games run from April through to July, They can e transfer those tickets back to us and we make sure that they get back into the hands of young people at turf or other community organizations like Boys and Girls Clubs, YMCA, so that young people and perhaps their families can go to a pro sporting event that they might otherwise not be able to afford to go. So it's more bums and seats, people seeing their their heroes play in the games and having a really great time because we have a fantastic game day experience up at York Lions Stadium.
2: You know, you said a couple of key words there, the gathering uh, and connecting with people. Certainly, COVID drove everybody inside and, and uh, really, uh, you know, cut off a lot of communication face-to-face. You know, technology allows us to contact whoever we want. But the face-to-face is important, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, and last year, when we came, we spent our team, our team went 1,000 days without a home game because our season was shut wow. down early in 2020. 2021, we had to move the whole team to Atlanta. Because the border was closed last year, 2022, when we came back and we're playing home games, the buzz was just amazing. Like rugby players like to work hard and play hard, and, and our community got together at York Lions, and it's a great layout where you you have your reserve seats, but you can move around in a concourse. We have a, a, a the place we call the Garden, which has you know craft beers, craft food music and and games for kids there's a vip area over over in one section and people were just moving around and mingling and reacquainting with one another after you know a couple of years without rugby and in, in canada and it was just an amazing buzz and people had a great time and the crowds just grew and grew through the season and, and it's going to be only better this year we've we've added to our game day experience and uh ticket season ticket sales and and uh, individual ticket sales are already pacing way ahead of last year so we're really looking forward to a great season our first home games on april 8th up at york Lions.
2: bill yeah let's talk about the arrows here i mean canada's first and only professional rugby union team so i mean that's got to be a challenge uh, just right there isn't it
3: well it is but um we've been at it now for five years um we have great partnerships you can't you can't do this alone we work very closely with Rugby Canada the National Sports organization a lot of our 70% of our we have we have made a commitment that at least 70 75 percent of our roster will be Canadian eligible players and many of our players play for Canada or will play for Canada we've developed academies so we have a, a three locations uh, for senior academies here in Ontario and Quebec and increasingly um, developing relationships right across the country we draw players from everywhere in canada and about 30 percent from overseas we have a junior academy here in ontario for young men, men aged 14 to 18 in high school um, and a number of them just got selected for the canada u20 uh team that was announced last night but will be announced shortly um and so we just we work very closely with universities and colleges which is where some of the best high performance rugby is played and where we bring a lot of our players from and then there's a amateur club system right across the country of very passionate people with men's and women's and youth teams. And we just do our best to create community on ramps for people who want to work, work with us, either as fans and supporters, or hopefully every, every club is really honored when one of their players is selected to play you know, for the Arrows and for Canada. And so it's uh, it's a real community partnership to, to try and do this. And turf, you know, the, one of the reasons we, we decided to do this with turf is it's just obvious that, in terms of sheer numbers and it's right in our backyard turf is one of the biggest positive forces for the growth of the sport. And like every sport, it took a hit during COVID. So we're looking to rebuild participation numbers. And uh, we've even had, uh, you know, even in our history, we've already had two players come up through turf, go to university college and then end up playing for the arrows, which is amazing. And they've had one young woman who came up through turf, went to university and is now playing uh, for Canada. So, this is a It's a professional pathway as well as just a way for young people to play the game they love and, and, and play at whatever level they can aspire to and achieve.
2: Wow. I mean, the way you're describing this, the arrows have only been around for five years, but, but the layers uh, that, that go with this, you know, you sort of mapped it out there. And then when you're talking about turf, uh, which has been around since, what, 2011? I mean, the layers there. I mean, this is a perfect fit, isn't it?
3: It, it is. It's fantastic. And uh, I, I think it took... Covid to sort of maybe be the catalyst for, to really uh, to really like bond this partnership. But uh, there's a lot of great things ahead. And what's been really interesting is that our corporate partners. I mean, this this partnership with Turf is a non-monetary. It's it's us partnering to grow the game together. And and uh, we've known each other. I I've been on the Turf advisory board since almost virtually the beginning. So I've known the organization for a while. But even our corporate partners, folks like. TSN, Metro Supply Group, Puma, Marco Group, One Eight Hundred Got Junk Pizza—they're all really thrilled that we're doing this to promote the development of the sport and and really helping our community. Because one one thing that rugby tries to do—it's one of the—it's a sport that leads with its values. If you go to the World Rugby website, our world global governing body, it talks all about the values of the game: respect, discipline, responsibility, teamwork, and these are the things that get to anybody who gets involved in the game they they're they're expected and and they're absorbed and that's just awesome for young people to be able to to, to get access to that they just become you know better human beings and better citizens and and uh, and and hopefully they stick around the game in whatever way for as long as they want
2: so bill uh, let's end on this if somebody wanted to access turf how would they go about doing that
3: yep they can check out uh, if they want to learn more about the organization if they want to participate if they're a young person if they want to coach etc uh turfrugby.ca t-i-r-f rugby.ca and for the toronto arrows it's TorontoArrows.com, and there's everything you need to know about our schedule our merchandise purchasing tickets and again we we play new york this weekend away our games are broadcast on tsn and tsn plus and uh we have our first home game on april 8th up at york lion stadium
2: well done bill thanks very much appreciate it
3: thanks jim pleasure
2: This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, BraleyAdvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter funeral directors, let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Be prepared on the ice with the Fox 40 hockey products. Like the Fox 40 call, Fox 40 Super Force CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout. For 15% off your order, go to fox 40 com. If you are an experienced real estate agent, you should add a distinct advantage and comprehensive value. Contact Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. Call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview. Contact him via email, net. Charles Park is with us now, so you can listen to him. Charles, welcome. How are you today, sir?
4: I am excellent, Jim. Thank you for having me.
2: Our pleasure. So let's let's just start off basically, what kind of shape is the market in right now?
4: So from my perspective, the market's actually in pretty good shape. I think uh, a lot of the bad news uh, has been sort of dissipated. And, you know, obviously with the market statistics coming out on a monthly basis, and, you know, the media constantly comparing us to this time last year, it always sounds so negative. But uh, I will tell you, in the last two or three months, we've seen a stabilization in prices. We've seen a stabilization in number of transactions. And because now that the Bank of Canada is you know, taking a step back, taking a breather and saying, you know what, maybe further increases in the interest rate are going to be shelved, that is putting a little bit more confidence back into the market. And now we're seeing that action starting to occur again.
2: Yeah, so the interest rates, I mean, for a year, they just kept going up. So there has to be a ripple effect of that, isn't
4: there? There certainly is. And you know what? Eight consecutive rate increases uh, doesn't really bode well for the people who are looking to get pre-approvals uh, in, in the price category that homes are selling for right now. Uh, you know, REMAX just uh, issued a, you know, um, a report yesterday on the state of the – or a forecast on where they think this market is going. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we still need to – it'll be painful for the first half. Of 2023 but we're expecting a huge rebound in 20 at the end of 2023 so let's say coming this summer uh, when things seem a little bit more stable uh, consumer confidence grows we're expecting prices to increase as well as transactions
2: now you know a lot of people would go well the markets a little you know not as it was a year ago but you're still getting multiples right
4: (laughs) it's funny that you say that I was just uh, I showed a property uh, last Friday and I was notified on Tuesday there were 21 registered offers on it. And this oh, is in Whitby, oh Ontario. It was, oh. it, it was just, it, but my mind, you, you know, when, when a house is listed for $500,000, which is, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars, way below market value, you're going to see frenzies like that. So there are obviously strategies that are occurring out there that are creating these multiple offer scenarios. But is it really that different from what was happening during the peak of the market? We saw people paying hundreds of thousands of dollars above asking, uh, to, you know, to, to get the home of their dreams.
2: So, you know, if things are driven by price and why wouldn't they be, that would suggest to me that, you know, if somebody was, was in the price range, you're talking between five and a million, they're, they're looking out of town, aren't they?
4: You know, the, the sweet spot, if you look at the number of transactions that are, that are mostly occurring, you, obviously anything that's below a million is gold. Now, there's a, there's a provision and maybe Dean Romandi can help us with this uh, when he speaks with you next time. But if you look at the insurable mortgages, if you're, for people that are looking to purchase homes that are over a million dollars, they don't necessarily qualify. So it's really difficult to you know, purchase over a million if you need mortgage insurance. So we've seen everything, everything below a million go absolutely bonkers. Once you break a million, a billion one, a million two, that's where you see it, things start to taper off. Now, obviously, that doesn't speak to people who have tons of cash, uh, who are upgrading, who have, you know, the, the equity to, to do so. So the move up buyer is still uh, obviously in that 1.2 plus million dollar category. But for the first time home buyer, they pretty much have to stay below a million dollars.
2: Okay, let, let's let's get into the hot topic stories. Uh, I'm renting a house or I'm renting a house to somebody. I'm, I'm out of town and they sell the house on me. You know, title uh, title fraud. This yeah. is scary stuff, isn't it?
4: So this prompted an, an, a, a, a release from our regulators, the Real Estate Council of Ontario. Uh, these types of things shouldn't be happening. The unfortunate thing that's occurring is, and this is you know partially due to the pandemic, uh, the ability for people to close on properties remotely without physically ever putting themselves in front of a lawyer uh, has been problematic. Uh, as you can understand, Uh, We are required in our industry to verify the identity of individuals who are involved in a real estate transaction. That verification becomes uh, a little bit more loosey-goosey, let's just say, uh, if you're dealing with electronically sent uh, identifications. Uh, I personally carry in my backpack a a black light. I know how to verify that uh, identifications are Real or not, uh, if these people have just, you know, just, you don't know these people, they, you've never met them before, you don't know them from a hole in the ground, you, you know, they come up to you and say, Yeah, I want to I buy this house. You really have to stretch and, and, and say, You know what? I got to do a little bit of extra due diligence on you. I hope you don't mind. Uh, I need to see your physical identification. I don't want to do this remotely. And that prompted, if they're not doing that, if real estate agents and, and lawyers and mortgage brokers aren't doing that, it does open the door for fraud
2: yeah and I mean you're liable I mean you you are you're expected to to do your due diligence uh, I'm just you know I I you're describing that I thinking I'm thinking of back when I did this so so you're trying to to pitch yourself as 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 somebody who could sell somebody's home but at the meantime you have to sort of double back and then verify who the person is that's almost counterproductive isn't it
4: it certainly is Uh but in all fairness, even when I look back at uh, before the days when we had electronic signature, uh, we, we, we trust we had a, a high degree of trust that when we look yeah. at someone's driver's license that it was real without having to pull out a black light to look at the you know the ultraviolet uh, markings on it uh, it's, it's just one of those uh, extra layers of protection that we had way back when. but when you add something as like like e signature and you're trying to do things remotely, then it just Adds another layer of fraud.
2: Yeah, that's it's scary stuff. No question about it. Um, but let's move on. I know that you go to a lot of seminars. You're 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 up to date on, on everything. Uh, there's no question about that. So one of the things that we talked about the other day when we we're having lunch was, um, uh, you know, secondary dwellings on property and and how that that use may change. Uh, fill us in on that.
4: So lately, I went to a seminar back in uh, the the late winter. Sorry, late fall, early winter. Uh, and it had to specifically do with the uh, the provincial government's announcement to have all the municipalities uh, uh, provide a provision in their in their in their bylaws to allow for laneway and, and garden suites. So what this means is is if you have uh, a substantial uh, amount of land that you're living on, and you have say like a a, a a detached garage in the backyard, which is like a detached structure, can you convert that into a, a self-contained living suite? and as a result of that direction because this is part of the whole intensification project we know that there's a lack of housing and we're having we have an aging population and i would rather have my parents live right across the backyard from me rather than have you know put them for six seven eight thousand dollars a month into a nursing home or something like that uh you know there's equity in their house there's equity in my house maybe i could combine the two equities and buy a larger property where they can live on the same uh parcel as me so, you know, there's uh, the, the, the seminar that I physically went to uh, was actually conducted by an architect uh, who was a former uh, firefighter and knew all the fire regulations and how to build these things. And it was absolutely spectacular to see that this initiative has been launched by the government in order to allow, you know, families to live close together or supplemental income. So perhaps maybe you build this and then you uh, your parents, you know, move on and then all of a sudden you've got this extra dwelling unit if you want rental income it's not in the basement it's detached they have their own living space so these are all you know new products and new options uh for you know this growing population that we have in the city
2: yeah i'm glad you brought up the fire code because it's not just insulating a garage and changing the door or finishing off a basement there are codes that you have to follow just in case something goes wrong so you can exit properly
4: Exactly. You know, they're talking about putting strobes uh, at the entranceway. So for firefighters, if they need to respond, uh, they can follow the strobe lights. They want to make sure that there are fire hydrants within, uh, you know, 45 or 90 meters of the dwelling. Uh, so that in case there is an issue that they're, you know, the fire trucks uh, have access and, you know, all sorts of things. So what amazed me about this particular course was uh, the way to get around some of these, you know, I guess you could call them, you uh, I don't know, uh, encumbrances. So if you don't have a fire hydrant that's within proximity, you can build the, the, the structure out of fire-resistant materials and so on and so forth. So yeah. having learned all these things, it just, makes, it, it just grows your knowledge. And so when I'm out there with my clients, I can actually be of more benefit to them if this is what they're looking for.
2: Okay, let's, let's switch to sports. Just a quick answer here. You go to Leafs games, you go to Raptors games. What's your favorite team and why?
4: <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Toronto fan. Uh, I do uh, admire teams uh, abroad, but the Raptors and the Leafs are, are, are flowing through my blood. Uh, I've seen you up in the booth, Jim, for many of these games.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: let, me, let me tell you, uh, I'm really hopeful for the Raptors to get into the playoffs this year. I have high faith that we're going to go deep into the playoffs with the Leafs. So go Leafs go and go Raptors go
2: we'll end on that charles thanks very much thank Jim. a distinct advantage in comprehensive value are important ads for any experienced real estate agent that's what charles park managing broker remax realty services incorporated brokerage has waiting for you offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive mentoring and coaching call charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview or contact him via email charlespark at net. Let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter, funeral directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, No Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the Yes Guy, No Guy segment And Yes Guy, the radio show. It does not get more official than that. And here we go. Frankie C., all set? Yes Guy. Okay, Guy, here we go. The topic is hockey rinks. Yes, guy, you had a backyard rink.
1: No, guy, never had a backyard rink, but was a big pond guy. There was a pond right oh. by my house, and uh, my dad would do a nice job of clearing that off for myself and a couple of the other kids. And, man, we would be out there for hours and hours, but never anything in the backyard. Jimmy, yes, guy, no guy, the Joe Lewis Arena is your favorite NHL rink.
2: Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to say no, Guy. My favorite NHL rink is Madison Square Garden, New York City. Wow, Just because, I thought that would have
1: been a slam dunk layup no, for you.
2: No, no, actually we had terrible broadcasts out of the Joe Lewis Arena because of uh, union issues. But nonetheless, I loved Madison Square Garden because <laughs> where, our, where our studio was, you'd walk down the hall and there were all these pictures of performers, Frankie, you know, everybody who had ever performed in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. You look at that and you go wow, for this two hours or three hours, I'm part of this. It was just, it's a magnificent building, so
1: I have to yeah, go Yeah, it really that. is. Um,
2: yes, Guy, No Guy, you had a favorite junior hockey rink.
1: Yes, Guy, absolutely I did, and it's none other than the the kitchener memorial auditorium even there as a visitor so i played for the rangers but even going there as as a visitor it had a different feel than the london the windsor you know those kind of newer style arenas it really felt like there was some charm to it but it had been kept up so well over the years and um there was just nothing like quinn quite playing at the odd in kitchener
2: well it's like baby maple leaf gardens
1: that's that's right, and, and speaking of Maple Leaf Gardens, Jimmy, yes guy, no guy, you've walked the red carpet at Maple Leaf Gardens.
2: I have. I actually did. I was Ooh. doing an opening. Uh, I was actually filling in. Uh, I wasn't a regular on the Maple Leaf broadcast at that time. I was filling in, and I had to do this uh, glitzy opening... Um, <laughs> i had to walk through everybody i took i i ripped a program out of the guards and just took it and said thank you and then walked through and, and threw over to uh, who was i throwing over it was joe bowen and harry neal i threw over to as i walked wow. right up to where the leaf dressing room was so I, I was outside i did this opening uh came in and bobbed and weaved through everybody got by by the uh the ticket takers stole a program and, and walked and had talk walk and talk at the same time with a tuxedo on guy
1: Guy, that leads me to my supplemental yes guy, no guy here. During that whole event or sequence, as I would like to say, you had some hair product in your mustache.
2: <laughs> no, guy, no guy. <laughs> Tatnet's
1: hair was all natural,
2: no product all Yeah, applied. your own
1: natural. Not,
2: not only was it natural hair, but there wasn't one stumble at any point in in the the, the proceedings when I was talking. There was no ums or ahs. It was like glass.
1: Yeah, you live for the red carpet.
2: Yeah, of course I do. Uh, Okay, yes guy, no guy. Um, If you can't smell the popcorn or licorice, it's not really a small community arena.
1: Yes, guy. The popcorn for me, I don't know about the licorice, but it is something about the popcorn, and it kind of takes me back to playing in Sudbury. Um, Even that smaller arena in Belleville, we had a trainer um, on our team in Sudbury, and he used to tell us all the time whenever we would go to Belleville, he said, I'm telling you, they got the best popcorn in the entire league. I actually got to play there in the American Hockey League for the Belleville Senators, and I would agree with that. It was really good. But our good pal David Alter, he went to cover one of those preseason games that the Leafs played down in Belleville, and I texted him. I said, pal, get the popcorn. You won't be disappointed. He's like, what are you talking about? It's just popcorn. It's not, you know, every arena has it. I got a text during the middle of the game. It might have even been a tweet. And he said, you were right. This popcorn is unbelievable in Belleville. Belleville, London was supposed um, to
2: have good popcorn. Belleville, did it have olympic size ice back then?
1: It did, yeah. They, they yeah. eliminated the olympic size ice, and they took it down to NHL size when the AHL team moved in. Jimmy, yep. you're a man of the people. So yes guy, no guy, when attending a Leafs game, you would rather sit in the greens.
2: Oh, uh, no, guy. I just, uh, <laughs> I am a man of the people, but I just want to, like, watch the game. <laughs> Sorry, guy. I had to stiff you there. Yeah, I
1: <laughs> i guess I guess you did stiff me there, but that also makes yeah. sense. You're doing the red carpet, you know, you're yeah. signing autographs. I, oh, I no can see you down there in one of those luxury suites in the platinum level. You know, you don't have time yeah. for people up in the 300s. That's no, a- no,
2: it's not I don't have time. It's just I want to watch the game. <laughs> killing me here. Um, Yes, guy, no guy. It was always a dream of yours to drive the Zamboni.
1: No guy. Was not really obsessed with the Zamboni. I actually spent most of my time kind of pleading with the Zamboni to hurry up and finish up so I can get on the ice. One of the things my, my dad instilled in me from a very young age was that if the ice was free and available before your practice, hurry up and get dressed because that's free ice that you can now utilize and work on something. So I was more worried about this guy hurrying up and, and getting going. Jimmy, you've been around a little while. We know that. So yes guy, <laughs> no guy. You remember when goal horns first started being introduced?
2: No, I can't say that I that I could uh, claim that. I, I think there was always something there. Um, I'm going to say no guy. There was always some sort of sound there. I, I can't remember oh, yeah? life before goal horns.
1: I, I would well, have thought uh, there was nothing for a while, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, now we're gonna do something when the team scores. Add a little, you know, production value to the games.
2: Well, I'm sure you're right. It's just so long ago I can't remember. Too many hockey games in the mind, guy. That's all I can say. Thank you, Frankie C, and thanks everybody for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Yes Guy 113. Hope you come back next week for Yes Guy 114.